I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. With great purpose comes great responsibility. That sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. It's a spinoff. <laughs> it's a Spider-Man spinoff. Uh, yes, yes it is. And if you couldn't tell from the title of the podcast that you tapped on to listen to this, we're talking about Blue Beetle, our first, uh, not first in a while. I don't remember the last time we saw a superhero movie in the theater, but we're back in the theaters, and uh, there's probably not a lot of us out here going to see Blue Beetle in theaters uh, Our right theater now. was full. It was, actually. And I do hope this movie does well. It was enjoyable. It was. Um, we had low expectations, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, DC's movies this year have been... I mean, we liked Flash. And honestly, I mean, we even liked Shazam, too. But morale Shazam, is, too, I, like, was, was iffy It was on, okay. Honestly. Yeah. Especially I, I upon to, reflection. Right. I think maybe... It's no Shazam 1. Definitely not. So even though, like, well, I was going to say even though there was nothing indicating Blue Beetle would be, like, below average, but that's not true. I The think trailer looked boring. The trailer was really, really bad. I think that uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers needs to have a talk with their trailer editor for that one, whatever company did But it. honestly, I don't think they could have captured, like, what was, like, fun about this movie in a trailer. I mean, I do think it would have been a struggle, but I also think there's, they could have done something better than what they came up with because a lot of like the, the nitpicks that I'll have about like the derivative nature of this movie, which there certainly is. Cause it's like the, at this point, cliche superhero origin, but they do like a good job of it. But the trailer, yeah, it didn't show off any of like the strengths that really like, bring this movie over that hurdle. It was basically like the first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And it was just, yeah. I I remember like we saw that trailer, I think a couple times, like in the theater. And it was just, there was nothing going on there. And it also contained like one of my least favorite lines from the movie, which I think worked a little bit better in the context of the movie, but still like not great. Which line? The, the love you feel for your family makes you weak. Oh. It's so on the nose. And, like, as I remember hearing that in the trailer, and I'm like, come the fuck on. Like, such, like, a... That's, like, the motivation of so many villains. Like, I don't I don't love anybody, so I'm strong, because I have no, like... I'm a big, strong boy. Right, I have no vulnerabilities. And I'm like, you don't have to say it. Like, it's just, like, so... There's no, like, layers to it. It's just, like, come on. That's... I don't know. I, I take issue with that. And then they, like, spun it on its head. It's, like, obviously it's so focused on, like, family, but, like... Still a, a tacky line, not not the best work. Um, I do feel like this movie was almost an exact crossover of Iron Man and Spider Man. I totally agree. Like you got a lot of the Iron Man one plot mm-hmm. and all of the Peter Parker of it all quippiness in Spider Man. Right, minus the having to hide your secret identity, I guess. Which yeah. is a nice change of pace. Well, that's where the Iron Man piece comes in. Right. Yeah, I mean, totally. Uh, you have the company being taken over 
by somebody who wants to use weapons, it for nefarious not means. Weapons. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll that was <laughs> that was so so one to one, and it even looks like the one of the versions of Spider Man, the one with the Dak Ock things sticking. The out. The Iron Spider. Yeah. And then you have like the classic. The villain is the hero, but with a different color scheme. What? Which is just like. Oh, the red. Yeah. It's just yeah. like another blue beetle, but like evil looking, which is just so. That's like some vintage Marvel shit right there from. Yeah, from, wasp from and Iron the Man 1 to Wasp. Um, or not Wasp, Ant Man and the Hornet. Yeah, Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket. Yeah, like what feels like. That's like almost like a checked box for a superhero origin is like they have to fight themselves. Except first. for it didn't look like a bug. No, it didn't look anything like a bug, but it was like using the whole using Blue Beetle code and right. had the evil color scheme. You know, he had the he had the RGB lights turned all the way to the red. <laughs> Got to look intimidating. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I think we, we both walked out of the movie being like, we don't have a ton to say about it. And I don't think that's necessarily in a bad way. It's just like, it's it's not doing anything like particularly like super well in my opinion. Um, but super well, yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I should just throw in more like very obvious superverse puns into all of my my quotes yeah, here. You would be versed in it. Oh my god. Oh, well, you are superior superior <laughs> at, at this. <laughs> um, it, it just to sum up like what, I, what we've already kind of said is it takes a very classic take on a superhero origin. But in my opinion, the performances of the cast and the dynamic of the family helped elevate it beyond just being like another really, um, kind of bottom of the barrel superhero origin. There was like a bit of a spark there that I think if it, if that hadn't been present, if they had kind of taken this movie in a direction where the Reyes family was like less of like the, the center of it, it would have suffered from that because we would have like drawn more attention to kind of the one dimensional nature of the villains, which would have been a shame. And I still wish that, uh, especially like Susan Sarandon had been a bit more fleshed out. We get a bit more I on, um, I don't remember the guy's real name, but Omac, you know, when we have like the memories that the Ignacio. Shows him. Yeah. Which I thought that was cool. Yeah. Because we spend so much of the movie just seeing him as like this, like hulking brute. But if they had taken a bit more time and given us just like a tiny little bit more detail on what had happened to Ted Cord and with her grandpa and how everything like kind of fell into place. I would have loved that because Susan Sarandon was like good. She was fine. But, I would like, have, she didn't have a lot going on. I mean, classic. I was annoyed that they killed her at the end because like, especially if they were teasing, you know, maybe they're going to come back with this and like the dad's still alive. Like we want Susan Sarandon alive for that. Right. I was split between feeling that way and also just like it was very satisfying to see her get killed 
Because she was just like, I mean, she was horrible. Awful. Like they, it was. But flat. I get, but I get what you're saying. Like she was so horrible. It was like it fell flat for me. Yeah, yeah. Because they they were like obviously they didn't have her in mind for being a future character, so they just like burned off like any. Literally, they burned her. Yes, they they did literally burn her, and also they just had no interest in writing her character beyond being the villain for this moment. Because she, like, there was no coming back from, like, what she did in this. You know? Like, somebody would be trying to kill her after this movie. Oh, so. sure. But I think she should have, like, gone into hiding or something. Yeah. And then have a better face-off with the brother coming back. Her brother coming back. Or dad? Well, Susan Sarandon's Oh, brother. her brother, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree on one hand. But then on the other hand, like, I don't see how you give her like a satisfying ending in this movie doing, unless you like change her character and how she behaves throughout this whole movie, like have her maybe be a little more sympathetic and less like cartoonishly evil. Cause like dragging Jaime away, like while his dad is dying of a heart attack, like 15 feet away, that's like, you're not coming back. From oh, that. I don't think they should have like had her come <laughs> back from her evilness, but I think have her get like, she could get a consequence or, like, be in jail or whatever. She, like, blown her arm off. Yeah. Something like that. Because, yeah. like, that's her whole thing. Um, and then, like, have that be something that they have to reckon with in the next movie. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been good. Because, like, the satisfying thing is seeing, like... The daughter, like, take over the company and, like, all that. Blah, right. Blah, blah. Okay, reshoots. Um, Post-release reshoots. I think the Washington Post said it best. Blue Beetle feels refreshingly new, but also tediously familiar. Which, when I saw that, I was so annoyed. I was like, that's, like, nothing. That's saying nothing. But then after seeing it, I was like, I get it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's super on the money because, while there is, like, plenty that I liked about it. Like, I at no point in the movie was, like, was I seriously like, oh, I've seen this shit before. Like, this sucks. But I saw a Reddit comment that I wish I had, like, just screenshotted, which was just, like, so many of, like, the little hero moments that Jaime has have been seen, like, not even just, like, in the comic book movie genre as a whole, but, like, recent-ish DC movies. Like, the moment where he's, like, trying to fly and he can't, and then he, like, jumps off a building, so he has to fly. That's, like, straight out of Shazam. Like, we've seen this, like, and in Spider-Man. The, yeah, like, it's, it's so... Yeah, it's so trite for, like, a superhero origin. Um, and we even have, like, an Uncle Ben moment, except for it's his dad. Right. And I was like, are we are we really doing this right now? Yes. I mean, it definitely are. helped move the plot forward, like, having, like, such an impactful moment. Like, I get why they do that. Yeah. But. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It was pretty brutal, uh, you know, having the dad die and then having the house burn down. I was like, God damn. I thought they were going to maybe like delay dad's death, mm-hmm. like take him to the hospital and then he w- he would eventually die at the hospital. But right. like there's like a time where he's like still, you know, holding on or uh-huh. whatever. And then they have that moment of like, I'm going to go and you're going to stay. Kind yeah. Of. I think uh, that would have been less brutal. But like dying in the street after a police raid is like pretty poignant. It is, and I, but I, so. I mean, I think it was, yeah, I think it was good, though, because the the themes of this movie were 
you know, they, they leaned a lot into militarization of police, and that was Cord's whole thing. Um, gentrification of the whole city, and specifically their neighborhood. I think they were referring to it as the Edge Key, uh, which also I thought the city, Palmera City, was really cool. Um, had yeah. A much different feel than your typical. Kind of like Miami esque yeah. vibes. Especially like when most of the other like original DC cities that we have seen are all. Like just Chicago, New York. Yeah, and then Gotham, which is just like a shitty version of those. But well, like, now I know that's what I mean. Right. Yeah, exactly. And their cities are modeled after. Mm hmm. Metropolis and Central City and Star City, they don't really have much of an identity beyond the hero that lives in them. Uh, but this felt really cool. Yeah. I think some people have, like, been critiquing this as, like, pandering to have, like, oh, they're just, like, trying to get, like, brownie points for having, like, diversity. But, like, no. Like, there should be, like, that, like, whether DC's getting brownie points or not, like, I think that's kind of fucked. And also, like, I liked how much of this movie was, like, not catered for white people. Like, not only was, like, the family, like, kind of going back and forth between, like, Spanish and English the whole time. There wasn't, like, a consistent way that they were doing that, which I thought was, like, pretty natural. But there were, like, jokes in there that, like, we definitely didn't get. And our theater, because we live in a pretty diverse area, was, like, mostly Hispanic or at least like people that were, were clocked in on some of the jokes more. And I thought that was great. Oh yeah. Like I reject that argument on like the, anyone that's claiming like quote unquote, like forced diversity or whatever. It's that's a load of shit because that's just, it, that's not real. That's not a thing. This is a character that is Latino and it's a culture that's Latino. And that's just like, it's not, they're not getting. They're not going after brownie points. I they're think they like think. I think the criticism is just like it's like surface level. They're like just sticking diversity on top of like a, a white story. I think that's which, in some ways, like the like what we're saying is like the story is not very original. Like it is very akin to what we've seen like sure. these other stories, but like so are most comics now. Like yeah, they're all just, just like. There's, there's only, like, four or five, like, core comic right. stories. Right. And if you want to make, like, the argument that it's just, like, that, you know, you're putting, like, a, a different race of people over, like, a classic superhero story, then, like, what are we even talking about? Like, then that's... Then your issue should just be that it's a cliche superhero movie. Yeah. Not the cast. I just think that's... That's so stupid. But I thought there was like a modernness to the movie that we haven't seen in a lot of like non-space related movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, bringing in like the culture and stuff like I, it was sim- the both the modernness and the bringing in of different cultures like reminded me of like the first couple episodes of Miss Marvel where they like succeeded at that. And then I think they later failed at it but at least yeah. the beginning did a good job of that they kind of dropped the act after a while which was a shame and i the i liked the aesthetic of this movie like the the logo being like in this blue and pink like neon and they had like the the city Some is like peppered with stuff. neon signs yeah and they have 
um, his sister like does like graffiti on the Blue Beetle ship, and I'm like, I wish they would have like done a little bit more of that. Right. Like, when did she become a graffiti artist? Right. Also, that kind of thing would take like way. It's like they were like while. she just did it with one can. Like it had like three different colors there's on a, it. There's a gradient. Like it was it was a great piece, but yeah, no. Um yeah, it's you know, I'm not. I was I'm like, why did they, they include do, that like, at the last second though? It I know. Felt- I'm not saying that they should have gone like full into the Spider-Verse with their visuals, but something a little bit more like popping would have helped this have like a more unique visual language, which I think it it needed. I thought the neon did do that. It, I mean, I think it did. I just wanted more of it. I just wanted more of it. I like that color, too. Yeah, me too. The, I, the, the color schemes of the whole movie were really great. And you know, now I, now I realize why I keep getting Toyota Tacoma crossover ads with Blue Beetle. A <laughs> 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 lot of Tacoma product placement. Also on the note of like us not understanding some of the movie, uh, there's this Reddit comment that was like, if the censors had been able to understand Spanish, this movie probably would have been rated R because they dropped like the, I, I, sorry if you're a Spanish speaker and I botched this, uh, pinche, which I think means like, fuck. They say that like a lot. That's funny. I love that. Probably we, that wasn't even like subs. So like we wouldn't know, <laughs> but yeah, I like that. Not everything was pendejo that was in there too. And Yeah. Uh, I thought that was that was very cool. And I, I, you know, they start off the movie with the Spanish subtitled, but then later on when they're switching between languages, it's not subtitled. So, like, there were a couple of lines. Sometimes that it was. Head. Yeah, but, like, I kind of liked it. I was yeah. Like, yeah, it feels very, like, genuine. Um, should we talk about, speaking of Tacoma, should we talk about George Lopez? Yeah, let's talk about George Lopez. What's he been up to? Uh, that's a really good question. The last thing I saw him in was Valentine's Day, as I'm sure we all did. Of course. We're all big Valentine's Day fans out here. Um, he was kind of like the anchor for this movie because like a lot of the cast, at least for like white, again, for like white audiences, like is not that well known. Like the main guy has been in some popular things. I just like personally haven't seen them. I saw him in Parenthood when he was like a child. But he's in, um, what did I, I was saying it last night. He's in something that's, like, really popular right now. Oh, shit. And the sister, yep. Malagra, she was in Hocus Pocus 2, of course. Of course. Which yeah, we me, all saw. Let me look up the dude to see what he's up to. I was uh, definitely concerned about George Lopez's, oh, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, yeah. I was concerned about George Lopez because he is... You know, one of those actors that I know him like entirely from the George Lopez show, um, which would always come on as as per the memes. You'd wake up on your couch at 3 a.m. and George Lopez is bouncing on a trampoline while Lowrider plays. Yeah. Or and like Fresh Prince had just ended. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That time I know it well. So I was like, it's going to be hard for me to like see George Lopez like as playing like an actual character. And they gave him like one of the like goofier, definitely the goofiest role in the movie. Yeah. But like he was, he, he was, was good. So good. I I loved him. He was he was very funny. And loved that type of character. Yeah, I saw someone on Reddit claim that they thought this was genuinely like one of the most realistic depictions of a hacker in a movie. Oh but, like, yeah, but a different type of hacker. Oh for sure. But like 
you know, like knows what he's doing and like, but it's like janky. But all, and is also like a paranoid conspiracy theorist, but is also like not wrong about all of his conspiracies. <laughs> I feel like that's actually like a character we haven't seen that much, which is surprising because that should be like a big, like a common trope in like superhero movies is like the paranoid, like, and we certainly have seen it, but yeah. not this often. No, it's, it was so fun and it was just, it was cool that, um, the family, like, everyone had kind of, like, a distinct character about them. They weren't just, like, acting as one unit. We get we get moments with Rudy. We get moments uh, with, with Nana, of course. Nana reminded me of another... I'll just reference other movies. What else is new? <laughs> That's the name of our podcast. Um, Betty White's character in The Proposal. Do you remember that? The proposal. That's the rom com with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, and he takes her home to his like home in Canada, and Betty White is his grandmother, and she's like doing like loopy stuff out in the woods. Classic. I could definitely see Nana doing that shit. And then she dies or almost dies, like fakes her death, something like that. I'm not gonna remember that information. I think she fakes her death. <laughs> That's so much better than actually dying. Uh. Yeah, incredible. Loved loved her character, uh, especially not as much as the guy behind us in the theater did. He was fucking dying of laughter every time she said something. Loved that for him. Yeah, was she was great. great. Uh, we could do a whole prequel on her background. Oh, please. Yeah, I'm I'm all about that shit. I just thought, yeah, it was so it was so refreshing because I can't think of a single recent superhero movie that embraces the kind of family dynamic like that. Most of the superheroes that we have right now have dead families or it's just like a total non-factor. Like I'm trying to think of like recent ones. You have like Aunt May like hardly even counts because I'm trying, I'm just trying to think of like more than one person. I liked the moments that we got like in Falcon and the Winter Soldier with the sister, you know, like that was just like, Oh yeah, these are people that actually have families and they're not obviously in this one they all get involved in the superhero business in some regard, but like, you know, it's like the Incredibles. I like I like having something like that. It's cool. Yeah. Not everybody needs to be a lone wolf with a right. miserable personal life. It's like I, I think Give I said this in um what movie were we just talking about? Oh, like in uh yeah. Actually, it'll be coming out next week, but I talked about this in our X-Men Apocalypse episode where I was saying that I wish some of these characters did have family members that they would have to, like, you know, work to protect, which is a classic superheroism. Or to hold them accountable. Or that, yeah. Like, I think it introduces a lot of cool plot devices. I think, for the most part, I would say that it's just been discounted for movies because it's just, like, a lot to juggle, on screen and give everybody the time that they deserve. Um, but this movie did a really good job of that. I thought, um, one thing that DC has been doing well, and you just were talking about this a little bit with like the cities is that they, they have a more established world that is separate from ours. Yes. Like, because they have these like fictional cities, um, like one of the things I noticed like right away was that he was wearing a Gotham City law sweatshirt, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, that's so great. Like what a fun tie in. He mentions like Superman, like which like all the DC movies do, like growing up right. with Superman, like obviously. And there's just like little things like that. I'm sure there were more that I just didn't catch, but that 
they're like tying in really well. Even if they're never going to do any type of crossover, they're just like, yeah, this is like, this is the universe that they operate in. Right. It does. They're not like setting something up necessarily. Right. It is really cool that they can do that. And they're not, you know, relying on like when you look at the current state of the MCU, which is certainly like operating on a much lower level of like original locales than the comics are. They don't have a lot of options for that, but you know, they, the most they can do is like make a reference to Wakanda or something. Otherwise right. it's like someone wearing like, like a UCLA law shirt. And it's like, okay, well the green guy in New York, remember New York? <laughs> like shit like that. Yeah. It, it, de- it definitely feels like there's, there's been a like, lot of things that happened in New York. Now you're going to have to narrow it down. Right. This is why we need the great lakes Avengers. What? <laughs> that's a that's a team. I want to be on that team. <laughs> I, know, I, th- I think Squirrel Girl was on there. I'd like to be. I'd like to take over Lake Erie. <laughs> yeah, but I I agree with you. It's it's fun, and yeah, it's the way that the DC EU slash DCU we'll talk about that is working right now. It's it's fun to have those little moments, and it doesn't feel like we're being. Um, you know, constantly teased with something that might or might not happen. They're just, they're going with the flow right now because they have no other choice. I feel like this character, he would fit in really well with like Shazam and the flash and like cyborg and Aquaman. Like those guys seem like they would be, um, fun. Yeah, totally. Maybe Aquaman's on the fringe, but like as a mentor, (laughs) of course, but, like, the other people are, like, young. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously Shazam's, well, now he's, like, a teenager. Yeah, but, like, but Flash and Cyborg are, like, his age. Mm-hmm. So that would be cool. And what's his not name? Not that we're ever going to see the Flash again. Black Adam, who we'll also not see again. Um, Adam. Oh, yeah. The Adam. Is that what he was called in that, right? I don't know. I think so. I think I know uh, what you're talking about. One comment that I've seen, not serious at all, that I really enjoy was... There's been a bit of a meme about how Gal Gadot only gets cast in movies now to, like, do a cameo and stare into the camera for 30 seconds as a teaser, which she's done in, like, three movies in the last year now. Um, and everyone's like, where where was her cameo at the end where she <laughs> pulled up, like, holding the lasso of truth so we knew it was a DC movie? Um, also, just... Uh Ami is just very funny and charming. Oh, yeah. They did a great job casting this guy. Like, really good. As far as I was concerned, like, the cast didn't have any weak spots. Um, I thought... Love the sister. Ami was great. The sister was great. Uh, Jenny was great. Yeah, Um, she hasn't done very much, like, I think, American stuff from what I saw, and I thought she was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... Not trying to repeat, but it was just a very it's a very fun movie. I do have a couple of not so of well, course. more like questions. Sure. Of course. With the scarab. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah, honestly, not even really haven't thought that much about it. Like, is it supposed to be ancient? Or did someone create it like recently? Because there was like one other guy that like it It's an alien artifact. That's that's definitely what happened. Oh. Because we see, like, the... I actually... I forgot Did to mention this. Did they say that? No, but, like, they don't say it. 
but I, I forgot to say that I really liked the intro to this movie, like the, the credits roll, where it was like all this old, like old news footage of like yeah. the original Blue Beetle. and then I missed some of it. Stuff about Cord and like all their, I, Season, I just really liked it. Yeah. I liked the vibe. But they show like the Beetle, like it's like a meteor that like hits mm. Earth and then they, uh, like Aztec civilization or something, like built a like temple on top of it. And that's where it was like originally found. This is like, it's all just like very like short, like brief. Like they show you it hitting the earth. And in then, like what year? It doesn't say, oh. but like presumably like thousands of years ago. Oh, see, that's what I was saying. And like, I didn't know if it was like then, this ancient thing. Right. And then I think like an archeologist finds it. And these are all like in like news clippings that it's like running yeah. through. I knew that they were doing news clippings, but I was like, not, I was also reading the credits. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that kind of explains that. Um, I well, kind of. I just feel like they don't really explain the origin or like how many people have like paired with this and like what happened to the guy that died. Like, are they going to come back to that? Because that felt like a huge tease. And I think the one that they kept calling Sanchez, but I think his real name is Jose, the Guillermo from. Uh, what we do in the shadows? Yeah, who was. I'm just wonderful to see. Yes. Even though this character is a huge bitch until the end. All right. Um, <laughs> that's his whole point. I'm pretty <laughs> sure his, he said his last name was the same as the guy that died. Is that... Could you fact find that? The guy that died? Okay, so when they're explaining, like, you basically can't remove it and only from a corpse, and they're like, yeah, this other guy, like, her dad's lab partner... That's how they got it off of him was right. his corpse. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And they say his last name. It starts with a G. And then I think it's the same last name as Guillermo's. Uh, like he said Dahl his or- name is Dr. Jose Francisco Morales Rivera de la Cruz. Oh, never mind. Unfor- Scratch unfortunate, that. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Uh. Yeah, I I think. Well, well, I was really hoping for a tie-in, and like, what's he doing there? Sure. And that was disappointing. <laughs> um, I thought he caught on to something. I would still like to know what happened to the other guy, and like, what the relationship between him and the dad was. I think we'll find that out if if we get a sequel to this for sure. I also was predicting about the dad the whole time and was wrong at every turn, except for obviously he was alive. I think we all knew that. <laughs> But and I was like, I bet he's in the prison. Being and, held on the island. And then it blew up. <laughs> that would be a shame if he was. And just nobody found him while they were there. I just wouldn't put it past Susan to have, like, captured him and then be like, your dad abandoned you. Meanwhile, she's, like, been holding him hostage. Of course. I mean, yeah. It would have been totally one of in her bag of tricks. I also liked... In their, like, efforts to, I think, be progressive, they were like, yeah, like, the granddad, like, built the company with the daughter, then gave the company to the son, and they Mm -hmm. were like, yeah, that's fucked. But they were like, we hate her, but that's fucked. Like, that shouldn't have happened. (laughs) Yeah. That was was kind of funny. I was like, okay, we're just moving away from that quickly. Uh, People really liked the the show that they use a couple times throughout uh, El Chapulin, Colorado, that's like the cartoon that they like broadcast yeah. over the security system at the end. 
And like that's you know for us that's we have no idea, but that's like super popular in Mexico. And what about the sitcom that they keep uh, referring to? <laughs> Maria Del Barrio. Yeah, that's I thought that was fake. That, that's I think that's real too. That's so funny. Uh, incredible. It's so funny. That was a really funny bit. Yeah, like that's something that like maybe they could have tried to include in the trailer because like that like captures like the family dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just looking at the yeah, it's real. 1995. Oh, man, that's funny. And then my only other point of contention is, again, about the dad, which is what I find one of the most intriguing things, Mm -hmm. is that, so he's, like, trying to, like, create this company that's, like, very anti-weapons or, like, trying to put it in that direction. But his whole hobby is making weapons. Well, it's certainly... A difficult gray area that he's operating. <laughs> Grayish blue, if you know it's what I mean. Super <laughs> yes. But it is also very Tony Stark, isn't it? Yes, that is true. Like he he wants back, to baby. be a vigilante personally and fight his own battles, but he doesn't want to contribute to mass militarization. Like uh Susan Sarandon. why did I forget her first name? What the fuck? Victoria. Victoria, yeah, Victoria is, you know, they they make no uh, moves to act like she would do anything else except, like, you know, sell this to everyone that wants to buy it. Oh, definitely. Which I, I really liked what they did, and at the same time, I have, like, a slight beef with it. Like, the same way that I did in the video game um, Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is they have, like, themes of police brutality and over-militarization, but they use... Roxxon Energy's private security company to reflect that instead of, like, the actual police. That's because his dad's a cop. I know, which is, that's a whole <laughs> other thing. But, so, in this movie, I'm like, when they're raiding the house, I was like, there's, there should have been, like, actual police officers, but that's, like, so politically, you know. Charged. Like, that's such a I mean, keg, Rudy like, says, basically, like, they own the cops. Right, which is, like, that, I was like, okay, cool, because, like, that's that's real, but also, like, if this was the real world, like that would absolutely just be like the local police officers like kicking their door in. Like, yeah, Cord would not want. They don't need their own private military if they own the mil- the police, right? But they're too much of cowards to to show that. Yeah, because then <laughs> someone would have been having to to beat up slash potentially kill a bunch of cops, or at least shown the police coming later and like clearly not going to do anything and be like, "Oh, that sucks for you," right? And then, like, here's a fine because you guys did something. Yeah. Um, also a note that I've seen a couple people mention that I do think is very funny is that Jaime's like, I don't want to kill anybody, which is fair. Like, you just started doing this and you don't want to be, you don't want to kill somebody and have to deal with that mental trauma. Great. And then everybody else in the family just being like. We don't, we don't have a problem. <laughs> like, Rudy killed, like, 18 people. He like stepped you on a guy Rudy with the spider bot. Yeah, Nana killed like so many people, but she's yeah, she's been around. Yeah. Mowing down imperialists left and right. Oh man. I was just like looking through a couple little bits here. People really liked the vapor rub. Yeah. <laughs> that joke I did get. But I also grew up in a household where like vapor rub was encouraged for most ailments. <laughs> Definitely for any kind of cold or sniffle. Same guy behind us that really liked Nanny. He was like, it works! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I was looking through. I don't. We don't have a ton of notes 
um, I did notice when the credits were rolling that Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby were credited in thank yous, which I thought was interesting because Steve Ditko is mostly known for being a co-creator of Spider-Man and the creator of Doctor Strange. Like, Yeah, but they both got into fights with Marvel at certain points, so I feel like they course. could have left to go to DC multiple times. I mean, and he, he did, like, Steve Ditko, I'm looking at his Wikipedia, it wasn't, like, uncommon for artists and writers to jump you yeah. know, jump around because why not? Like, the industry's only so big. Steve Ditko also, like, created, like, the, the question uh, and, like, Captain Adam. I mean, Jack Kirby and Stanley like, never resolved their issues. No, which is a shame, but... Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of office politics, especially around like Stanley taking credit for a lot of people's work that maybe he shouldn't have. But I thought that was cool that they acknowledged that. I'm like, of course they should because they fucking helped create the character. Did they? But, Is that why they were thanking them? Yeah, but you know, it's not that credit does not always make it to the credits. Well, like yeah, Winter Soldier, that guy didn't get credited at all in the movie, which is just like ridiculous. Um, but I also want to talk about Ted Cord because so many like theories about who it is because did we, they, I thought, you know, we were going to like see the face at yeah, the end. Did they credit his no, voice actor? No, so it was uncredited. Well, not, well, whatever. Yeah, no, there was it no. It sounded kind of familiar. Well, so the director of the movie has said that his dream cast for Ted Cord has always been Jason Sudeikis. And a lot of people having seen that are like, oh, it sounded a lot like Jason Sudeikis. And there's also people being like, it sounded nothing like Jason Sudeikis. You just think it does because he said it. It did sound like a familiar voice. I'll just say that. Yeah. But I do think they intentionally left it open just in case they couldn't like seal a deal with whoever they wanted. I am very curious, like who actually did it? Like, I just want to know whose voice it was, even if it's like a nobody. I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, I really hope they do a second one. Me too. Mostly because I'm very intrigued by this story. I yeah, need to I mean, know. It's it's good, and I don't think this movie's going to make very much money, but that's no excuse because... Nothing none is of right their, now, yeah. unless you're Barbie yeah. or Oppie. I think Blue Beetle took the number one spot from Barbie for like one day, and then Barbie took it back. <laughs> the power. Um, I mean, there, also, there's, like, not a lot of new stuff coming out right now, or at least doesn't feel like it. Certainly doesn't feel like or maybe it. Maybe don't have my finger on the pulse, but... Yeah, we're just, we're not the target audience. Uh, so, a notable thing is, this is the first movie coming out post-Flash, and we're winding down to the end of, like, what we've known as the DCEU. For the past ten years, like, the universe is getting reset. And the nature of that universe reset is still, like, so confusing. And nobody knows what's going on except for James Gunn and Peter Safran, who have their plan. They've announced Superman Legacy being, like, the first movie in the new universe. All the other stuff that they've brought up. So that was, like, a common question was, like, what's going on with this movie? It never really uh, establishes itself in one canon versus the other. It makes it... We see the Gotham thing, like you said. He mentions Superman and the Flash. But... We don't see any of the characters. Does he mention the Flash? Yeah. I think he is, like, saying, like, about, like, Metropolis and Superman and... Yeah. Central we got Western. our own uh, Blue Beetle, exactly, too. Exactly. Um, so, James Gunn, he's getting questioned about it, and he said that Blue Beetle... He said, one, this character will have, like, a future in the DCU, but he also was like, this is, like, the first DCU character, but the first DCU movie is Superman. Which, for, for me, that feels more like a real-world separator. 
just like what Blue Beetle mean? was already being produced and finalized when James Gunn became president of it. Yeah, I noticed his name was in the credits. Yeah. Uh, the other guys was um, Peter Safran. His name it was like a Safran company production. Yeah. So I think that that is just trying to like demarcate where the DCU starts like from a production standpoint, which is that like mm. Superman's going to be the first movie that's totally like coming from their studio. Right. From the ground up. But they're not distancing themselves from this either. In fact, like the opposite, like they're like, well, um, Jaime is going to be like an important character going forward. So that should be a good sign. And I think they'll realize that even if this movie doesn't make a lot of money, that people liked it and it's worth pursuing. Cause you know, they're, they're, left behind Zachary Levi, much to his chagrin. And Gal Gadot thinks that they're doing another Wonder Woman, but they're not. <laughs> but I, I think this is like the first DC character in a minute that people have actually like wanted to see more of. So I think we'll be uh, lucky in that regard, hopefully. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, would, I, I was telling a coworker, like, it's not, to me, a movie that warrants necessarily running out to the theater to go see, but it's definitely worth a stream. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure this will be on Max. It's a great, great at-home watch. I mean, I don't mind that we saw it in the theater, but... Yeah. I know that's a big ask for people these days to go to the theater. Yeah, it is. But definitely worth checking out, and I'll, I'll be saying the same to anybody that, that asks about it which I can't imagine will be a lot, but... Here's the unsolicited advice. Exactly. Stream it. That's what I'm best at. And dream it. That's your purpose. Stream it and dream it. Oh, my God. And with great purpose comes great responsibility. I made that up. That's not an actual line, but that's basically they were just replacing responsibility with purpose, okay? We all saw it. We all heard it. That was Uncle Ben's last line. Daddy Ben's last (laughs) line. Well, on that note, we are out, out of, of the here. <laughs> we're out of here and we're out of the superverse. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>